It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcasts from. As our weekend continues around Australia, hope it's going well at your place and a brand new month, the first day of October. And coming up, we've got seven days of real estate. It's when we look back over the last seven days, bring you parts of the interview, starting with David Bassanese, and we're talking about perhaps no more rate rises for the rest of 2023, and also about China's property market, and if that is likely to affect Australia. On Tuesday, we spoke to John Chartres there in Melbourne about the supply and demand issues and also looking at Armadale there in Melbourne and Margaret Lomas she was back talking apartments and also investors. Are investors getting a bit of a bad rub at the moment? And we talked to Louise Scott about her tiny home living near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. We found out a little bit about some of the, the lifestyle and and the attitude, and Ariane Fontanilla is talking about first home buyer's guarantee, which now allows two buyers to purchase a property with a 5% deposit without paying a lender's mortgage insurance. And if you're turning a year older for October the 1st, happy birthday, Brie Larson is celebrating. She's turning 34. Rupert Friend, another Another actor is turning 41 and oh, he's turning 71. In fact, I won't mention his name, but he's currently trying to decimate the Ukraine at the moment. It's the main centre forecast. And let's have a look at the weather. First we go to Sydney and it's going to be a scorcher with 37 degrees. Winds are going to ease, mainly fine. Melbourne expecting the sunshine as well with 22. Brisbane, nice temperature, 27 with fine conditions. And in Perth expecting one or two showers for you and your high 21. Navigate the world of real estate like a pro with expert insights opinions and trends to up your game and knowledge when buying your next property and there was nobody there it was absolutely empty. They call it a ghost city and no doubt you've heard about these sorts of cities in China and that kind of highlights just how bad that is. I mean, could you imagine something like that happening inside of a suburb of of Sydney and nobody's there? Look, what that points to is the is the problems with, uh, you know, uh, essentially a centrally planned type of economy. I mean, a lot of these construction projects were done by property developers funded by state-owned banks, and they were encouraged to lend to the property developers because it's, you know, good for economic growth and, and development. And they were on selling these apartments to households who didn't have a lot of other areas in which they would could save. And, and they were, you know, buying property because property prices have been going up. But the you know the market signals that would normally check a lot of this uh, weren't really in place, and and so now that you know they're paying the consequences of that. 
Do you think 2024, in terms of what is going on in China, is going to put a bit of a, a dent in the aspirations of a great year here in Australia? Look, I think China is still going to, you know, their economy isn't going to fall in a hole. I mean, they're still going to, they used to grow at 10%. That slowed to, say, 5 to 6%. I think going uh, forward, you know, probably be growing at closer to, you know, 3%. So it's going to be a slowing, a slower pace of growth in China. It's still a huge economy. Iron ore prices, interestingly, are still, you know, up over $100 a tonne. So there hasn't been a big collapse in commodity prices despite the, the slowdown in China. Um, and I think what we will see, ultimately, China does can't afford to let the economy slow too much. Um, it can't allow unemployment to go too high. I mean, the, the the party, the Communist Party that you know runs the country, does so by the by keeping the economy on an even keel. So, if push comes to shove, I think you'll see major fiscal stimulus, maybe more you know, so-called white elephant infrastructure projects, things they probably don't really need to build, but they will build uh, for the sake of sustaining economic growth um, for a bit longer. So um, I think that's sort of how things may well start to play out toward later this year or into next year. Yeah, I think unfortunately for first-home buyers, China's probably a little bit too far. <laughs> well, again, the direct implications for first-home buyers here uh, isn't that, you know, it's only to the extent that it leads to a slowdown in exports, uh, you know, a slowdown in the direct linkages of an implosion in the Chinese property sector to local property. Yeah, look, if anything, I mean, to the extent it makes the RBA more likely to cut interest rates um, next year on the back of a, you know, a weak Chinese economy hurting our economy, then, you know, it can actually be positive for, the, for, for those, you know, with a mortgage. A weaker Chinese economy can be, a, in, in that sense, a positive. We don't just report on real estate news. We take you to the source of the information. We produce more property podcasts every week than anyone else. We are your trusted guide for all things real estate. And that wasn't isolated, was it, John? Because some of these other suburbs around uh, Melbourne doing pretty well. I think in Melbourne, you've got a lot of smaller suburbs in amongst the cities. In the southeast, where I am, the city of Stonington, you've got small suburbs such as Malvern and Pran and Windsor, as you have Alfington in the north. Sometimes they get left behind to their neighbouring suburbs and the buyers are very astute and suddenly find these small pockets and go, yep, that's for me and off it goes. Now, what's happening in terms of inspections at the moment? How many people are getting out and about from what you're observing there? Look, Craig, we're getting a lot, lot more. The weather's improving, that helps. The interest rates are now probably at their peak. So the buyers are becoming a lot more research orientated. They're coming out, looking at properties, getting a feel, seeing what's happening, getting an idea of values and a um, lot, lot more coming through our opens, which is, which is excellent. And it's all about understanding the market because some people, let's face it, they get a little bamboozled when it comes to real estate, unnecessarily, because real estate is pretty straightforward if you just get in there and start reading the market. If you've gone to a new city, for example, and you say, yes, this is a suburb that I, I want to buy into. After three or four auctions, you're really starting to get a feel for what's going on on the ground. Very much so. And Melbourne is great for that. You know, you just go through the open for inspections. Anyone can go through. You just register at the door. 
You can hang around and watch the auction, get an idea of who's bidding and who's not. Look at the demographic or the type of people that are bidding. Find out why that property is bringing more than the other one down the road. You know, is it because it's a better orientation or no flats next door? What is it? It's just doing the homework and very easy to do. Yeah, and one of the things that I actually like to do is I like to walk down the street and do a couple of door knocks and just ask people, is there anything weird going on in the street, particularly if there's a house, a property that I really like? There are all sorts of things that can rear the head once you've paid and just a simple walk, knock on the door. Yes, you might have some people say, no, I'm not interested in talking to you, but you'll find some people and that's amazing what they will tell. I think that's a great, great thing to do. I think too many buyers just do their homework from the internet and try and determine values by the photos. Uh, But remember, the photos taken are taken to enhance the look of the property. So that might leave out the backyard or something that you need to see. But also go for a walk to the local shops, go to the cafe, see what your environment is going to be like around your house. From first-time home buyers to seasoned investors to breaking property news, discover the stories behind the real estate. But let's keep in mind that most people who do buy an apartment do so with the thought that it's step one on their ladder and step two will always be a freestanding home of their own. This means that the apartment market will always turn over much more quickly than other markets will. And it also means that if you're going to buy into an apartment block where there are a lot of apartments, which most of them these days are like that, the price of your apartment can only be whatever the the next door neighbor or the one above or the one below sold at the time. And you have less control over that. So even if you, you know, renovate your apartment to make it look a little bit nicer, you've got a limit to how much money you can get for your apartment, which is dictated not only by what the apartment market is selling for at the time, but what your block is selling for at the time as well. You know, you could get a couple of people who have decided now's their time to go out and buy their first home. You get a couple of apartments on the market at the one time, they compete with each other, they drop their price and suddenly the price of your apartment becomes worth less. Rents are going up, not just because landlords need to take up rents to cover their mortgages. If that was the only reason, that wouldn't work. If there was plenty of rentals available, landlords couldn't take up their rents to cover their rising costs because their tenants would just move out to the other available properties. So we have a rental squeeze at the moment. And yet governments are turning around and making it difficult for investors to stay in the market. First of all, obviously we have rising interest rates, but all banks still charge higher rates to investors than they do to homeowners. And the government can certainly have some input into that through APRA. The other problem is that we still hear rumours and unspoken whispers about the government looking at and targeting negative gearing. And many investors are frightened that they'll get into the market on the back of negative gearing, which some people who don't understand it think that that's a bit of a rort for investors, but it's how most investors are able to buy property and hang on to it and rent it out to somebody because they're getting a little bit of a tax break that helps them with their costs. They still pay a lot of the cost, but they get a little bit of a tax break. And the investors are worried that they'll get into the market, negative gearing will change or go away, and they'll no longer be able to afford to hold their property. The latest 
biggest one is the Queensland government who have now brought in minimum standards for housing as well as a cap on rental increases and you're only allowed to increase your rent by a certain amount and you can only do it once a year. Now, that's fine if you are in stable interest rates, but when interest rates are running away, sometimes you need to increase your rent just to hang on to that property. You're not doing it to to upset the tenant, you're doing it just to hang on to that property. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. A key reason why people move into tiny houses is because they offer a certain amount of financial freedom and lack of obligation to banks or mortgages. And to think that you might invest in a tiny house and then have to spend four, five, six hundred thousand dollars on a block of land is is just nuts. But if people can cooperate and if councils can move forward and encourage people to cooperate on blocks of land, then it makes so much more sense for everybody. Yeah, especially like first home buyers, there seems to be with some council sort of this regulatory arm sort of being waved. No, you can't do that. Oh, maybe you can do that. You know, in a time 2023 when housing affordability could not be worse. I think some councils have got to wake up to this and really get on board with the tiny home living. Absolutely. Look, look it really is moving forward. Um, I can't be 100% sure exactly what, but the Victorian government recently made some legislative um, improvements such that they are absolutely beginning to embrace tiny houses. You know, whereas they were originally in the caravan status, which meant you could only stay in them 60 nights a year and so on and so forth, they are actually starting to see them as very reasonable homes for people and making them work within um, the local councils in that state. And they're leading the way in Australia at any rate for working tiny houses into a, a doable economy for our people. Having a look at the financial freedom, of course, tiny homes are significantly more affordable than traditional houses. That is a given, allowing individuals to live debt-free. I mean, it's just a no-brainer on so many levels. I wonder why there is a little bit in people's thinking about tiny homes. Can you help me and our audience understand what some of the resistance might be? Perhaps some of it might be that people simply can't see themselves living in tiny houses. They might be some judgment around um, what kind of person lives in a transportable dwelling. I couldn't be sure about that, but possibly a hangover from the 70s and 80s people just judging other people living in small spaces. But apart from that, I think that whatever negativity may have lingered around the concept of tiny houses is really changing now. Look, unfortunately, they're not as affordable as they used to be. When I first started exploring it, you could pick up a tiny house brand new from between sixty dollars and $80,000. Now, of course, they've not only become more of a luxury designer featured dwelling, longer and bigger as more people take them on and actually embrace the idea of it. And you'd be basically starting at one hundred and thirty, hundred and forty thousand dollars a lot of the time, which on some levels, considering you don't have a block of land to put it on, is not as affordable as it used to be. People are getting on the bandwagon, let's say. Designers, builders are getting on the bandwagon, but hopefully it still stays as an affordable option because land is and always has been the most expensive aspect of owning property. 
Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. A big game changer, really. Well, for myself, being in that age bracket, I thought I could never buy. And so you've gone in with somebody and bought property? Well, when I was 18, I thought, oh, look, I'll never be able to buy anything in Sydney with, you know, I was working in retail back then. So I decided to buy overseas. I've got a, a now an investment property overseas, but now I'm looking to, to sell that to be able to purchase something in Sydney, which is now more attainable than ever because of that first home buyer scheme. But now I'm looking to, to purchase with my mother who hasn't bought before. So that'd be a game changer for us. And obviously, you're quite close to your mum, otherwise you wouldn't be looking at going in with your, with your mother, but what a great idea. My mum's a single parent, so we, we do the best we can to connect and to build that relationship and <laughs> buy together, help each other out. And that will be the same thing for, for friends and other family members like siblings. And whereabouts in Sydney would you be looking to buy? Oh, hands down, Parramatta. It's the next city. You're a Parramatta girl. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've been here pretty much my whole life. And what about your friends, Ariane? What's happening with your friends? Like you're obviously talking among your group, your age group. Uh, How many other people that you know of that are going down the same path? Now that these schemes have come out, I've shared these around with family, friends, Buyers who are just looking through open homes as well. I actually got my best friend who's looking to buy with her two siblings. So uh, that's helped them a lot. Yeah, and you've, of course, you've come along at the time when the market has been booming and your mother is going to benefit from the daughter being in the game, being able to do all of that due diligence for this shared property you're going to end up buying in Parramatta. (laughs) Yes, definitely, definitely. And that's the goal for us. So got to look after the parents. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 